fucking shitting balls. I don't know any other way to kick off uh, an episode other than holy fucking shitting balls. Considering we've finally made it this long four and a half year wait. Mm. Eight and a half year wait for those of us in the U.S. exodus. But we've made it to a World Cup. Albeit a World Cup birth of controversy, a World Cup marred by blood and death, a World Cup that we will all marvel at and feel a bit shitty about as we do, yeah, and hopefully, lo- hopefully long after we do. Pod babies, it's your World Cup precap episode numero uno. But first, to the byline. It's in. It's an off goal. It's a gift. Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. After last episode's ending, you know... In any sort of marriage, sometimes you go through your ups and your downs, and immediately after last night, or last episode, we uh, called up the emergency couple therapist. Uh, over the years, we've noticed we needed her on speed dial, and we really hashed it all out, and, and by the time we went to, you know, we, Eric and I have a rule that we've cultivated. <laughs> never go, never we, go to sleep angry. We never go to sleep angry at each other. And uh, so, you know, and, and we really did it for the pod babies. We wanted to stay together for the pod babies. So we're back, and the past is the past. Re- 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 before the past is the full past, real quick, <laughs> I was fully expecting us to just never talk about it, ever. <laughs> uh, so this is already even bringing it back up more than I was hoping. <laughs> well, the good thing is, over... 11 years of friendship you know if this had happened year one through three of friendship gates and i probably would talk for six months (laughs) and then find each other again but at least now like after a like a 30 minute to an hour cooling period we have learned to embrace the maturity to just apologize for a a situation that got out of hand and move on (laughs) so i am proud of us i was thinking about that how how far our friendship has come in terms of just Uh, being able to deal with you know a little bit of adversity against one another my just to play devil's advocate, my counter is we've invested so much goddamn time and effort into this friendship that like we've passed that point of no return that we just we just couldn't let it blow up. <laughs> yeah, we're like it's like when you're like in your sixties, you have grandkids, you're you don't really like you're you're not in love. You know, there's no love. You're not in love with the person you're with, but you can tolerate them, and you just stay together for the family. That's where we're at. <laughs> We're doing it for Thanksgiving, and for us, Thanksgiving's the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, for the most part, this is going to be a World Cup podcast, except for two stories that have broken that are worth mentioning, one more than the other. And so, I'm, in order of importance, here's the first story. <laughs> so, uh, This actually, first story, by the way, is the story all of you are going to anticipate us uh, lead off with, you know. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> Spoiler. exactly. Um, for once, a Russian man has some jovial news to give to the world. Uh, Alexander Korkin, who's a Russian soccer player, in 2015 he played for uh, Dynamo Moscow. And a Russian porno actress, uh, Alina Hennessy, I'm not familiar with her work, 
she was interviewed and said, you know, who did she think, what soccer player did she think was really good looking? And she, without hesitation, she goes, oh, Alexander Corkin. He's like a 10 out of 10. Well, he was having a bit of a hard time scoring. And, you know, this is, I don't know at what point in the season, but the season had been going on for a few months. And she said that if he, by the end of the season, if he could score five more goals, she would give him a 16-hour sex marathon as a thank you. He got one more goal. <laughs> it would have been really funny if he got four more goals. Here's here's the thing. Maybe Korokin doesn't have that – or Korkin. Uh, I guess he wasn't Korkin. Um, <laughs> doesn't have that kind of stamina. You know, a, a more um, – someone who operates within their own limitations may have chosen not to score those five goals by the end of the season. Well, uh, when I read this story the first time, I was thinking, 16-hour sex marathon, what are they going to do for the other 15 hours and 15 minutes? <laughs> Apologize. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was obviously a story that we had to talk about, and that'll definitely be up there for the Onis for just kind of that weird story of the year. And uh, and, and potentially, I don't know, I guess, not cuck of the year, because no. unless, yeah, no. Unless... No. The, we're, I'm gonna do some more reporting on this. What if, what if that, what if that that award went to somebody else who did score more goals? You know, well, well. <laughs> did you just call her an award? Fuck. Well, you I meant mean, reward. Was... You meant reward. Yes. Not award. She was she was awarding something. <laughs> um, and that then takes us to uh, that Cristiano Ronaldo interview that everyone, for whatever reason, seems so interested to want to discuss. Okay, I thought. We at all, I mean, not not all, but I thought as a society, a majority of us had done a really good job of just ignoring anything Piers Morgan ever put on air. How how did that... That just shows you the star power of CR7, man. Yeah. Because Piers Morgan is back on the map in a huge way. Okay. Here's the thing. A lot of people want to take think this is a you're either on Manu side you're on Ronaldo's side I see it a little bit different thing I think there are three sides there's Cristiano Ronaldo he's a side there's Manchester United as a club that's a side and there's Manchester United's executives and ownerships that's a third side I will always love Cristiano Ronaldo for what he did for Manu and I will always love Manchester United but since the inception of this podcast and long before, I've been disgusted by the ownership and I've been disgusted by the way the clubs ran. Ronaldo's main point was that the club has been very poorly run since Ferguson left. Mm-hmm. Nobody disagrees with that. No. And so I just, I am not, a lot of Man U fans are like hardline trenched one side or the other. I didn't disagree with really anything he had to say. The problem is... The way he chose to say it. That's what people have an issue with. And could I ask the timing of of saying it? Yeah, I mean... Because I think... even even though it's during the break, as soon as the season comes back up, this is going to be a, it's gonna get a re- distraction. It's going to get recycled yeah. again on the socials. Yeah. I get you. I have a lot of conflicted feelings... But overall, I don't really have that big of a problem with what he said. I wish he'd maybe chosen some of his words more carefully. I think this is what you get when you have an ultra-competitive guy, an all-time great at what he does, 
in an environment that is in a, in a culture that hasn't won anything in over five years. Mm-hmm. It is really disappointing to hear that gym facilities, sauna facilities, pool facilities haven't changed since he left. That 20, 20 years or yeah, it's been, hasn't changed in 20 years. Cause it's not like they were changing necessarily his last year either. Right. Like, right. It, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I'll also say this, it's a, Cristiano Ronaldo is the most scrutinized player in soccer because he's not like Messi where every Messi has an, has a nice personality, doesn't bother anybody. People have an aversion to Cristiano Ronaldo. It was because, because Messi's not like world model hot. That is also, that's, 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 that's a big, there's a big envy factor that has always fueled Ronaldo to the villain side of the world's dichotomy of Messi Ronaldo. Right. Now, people forget that a couple years ago, Messi gave a pretty long interview talking about all the problems Barcelona was having and being very critical of Barcelona. And it got nowhere near this sort of coverage or backlash. I'll also... Go ahead. Couldn't that be because the British soccer media is, at least in our sphere, so much larger and more of a fuckfest than our, our like, plug-into-the-Spanish-soccer-media? 1,000%. Poss- possibly. Yeah. 1,000%. But my point is, this isn't really the first time a player of his caliber has done this. And also, look at what Louis Van Hall has said about Manu being a commercial club. What Jose Mourinho said. What Zlatan Himovic has said. What Alexi Sanchez has said. What Angel Di Maria has said. What Ralph Ragnick said. They're all kind of saying... They're all one, saying the same thing. In yeah. just different ways. So it's like, I don't really have an issue with anything he said. It sucks that him and Ten Hag, clearly that relationship is forever broken on both sides. Even before yeah. this, that relationship was broken on both sides. And I'm not going to get into the merits of that or the merits of if Ronaldo has a place in Ten Hag's plans or if he should. What I am going to say is, again, to me, that's an ownership, executive leadership failure. Okay, Ten Hag didn't want Ronaldo. Ronaldo didn't want to be there. You know what? You can. People don't realize this. You can release him from his contract and let him mm-hmm. sign somewhere as a free agent, and that's what it, they should have done. Because now it sucks for a lot of Man U fans to have this tarnish his legacy. I don't agree with that opinion. I understand that opinion. I just don't personally agree with it. doesn't change anything for me. I'll sum it up at the end by saying this. Rio Ferdinand on his podcast, Five, I've seen some snippets of him talking about it. And I actually think as a guy who played with Ronaldo and a guy whose overall soccer opinions I've come to respect, and a guy who's not a homer, by the way, a guy who's not a Gary Neville. Man he'll, he'll call it as he sees it. He, he, I, I would really encourage you to anyone to listen to kind of what he has to say about it because I think he articulates a lot of how I feel in just ways that I can't. I love that guy. I would die for yeah. him. Oh, for sure. I, I get that. Can, can I say who I actually think has the biggest point of a gripe or complaint Absolutely. In, this, in this scenario? Bruno Fernandes and the Portugal teammates. Because if, you know, I, my point, I think, still stands about when the season c- comes back, it's going to be a distraction. It's clearly a distraction he has now brought with him to the Portugal camp. Uh, and, like, I mean, especially Bruno, right, who wears, who occasionally often wears the captain's armband at United, depending on who's in or who's not in. Um, and, and, like, and now, like, it, it's just, that has to suck, for Bruno, but for the rest of the guys too, because there's an added weight and an extra spyglass being focused on 
all of the interpersonal like interactions and facial expressions anytime Ronaldo is walking around and interacting with that group now. Yeah, Bruno and uh, Dallo. Yeah, yeah, Dallo too. Sorry, I it's I not, forgot I mean, Dallo. Dallo's yeah. not thing is Dallo's with, between with Guerrero and Cancelo. Dallo's not going to start for Portugal, and there's a better chance than not that Bruno will. So yeah, and I, so I, like that that's who I actually think selfishly should be really but has the best right to be really butthurt right now about this um yeah yeah and, and yeah uh, but it's also my my actual biggest biggest gripe is couldn't he talk to anybody other than Piers Morgan <laughs> fuck off uh, <laughs> yeah so that's kind of I like I said I think there's three sides I think you can be team Ronaldo and team Manchester United and not be team Glazers and team management like, no, I, I agree that, 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 that I mean, it's not near to this degree, but like when Sadorf did not succeed as a manager at Milan, when people and Zaggy did not succeed as a manager in Milan, you know, so many people were like trashing these club legends. And it's like, that's, I mean, you have the right to do whatever you want to feel however you want to feel. But like the real thing, the real shitty situation is the like way that this guy who bought the club ran the club into, into debt and default, not that these club legends took like shitty pay, pay shitty salaries and worked with little to no money to do what they could for the club they love. Right. And, and yeah. like, yeah. So I, I, I can sympathize with your scenario. Although I think the extremes are to less of a degree. Yeah. So that's all I have. You have anything else on that one? No, no I was going to let you cook and just play devil's advocate for a couple. So that's points. all I have on that. Um, when we get, when the world cup is over, we will recap how the Champions League ended, we will remind everyone where the league table stands, but it's just my mind is so not in club soccer right now, and I just want to talk about the World Cup. Yeah. Like, half half the players that have that were kind of uh, reserving half their energy for the last, you know, month of, of fixtures, I've been one foot in, one foot out of, of the club game for the last month, and um, I mean, disclaimer, we're about to jump into a... F- Full-on discussion of the United States, the squad, uh, the the way we think they're going to line up, the tactics. We're going to go through the Group B matchups as well. So we're going to get pretty heavy into the soccer of it all about the World Cup. But we just, I think, want to take a moment to Absolutely. call back to what was uh, mentioned in, during the intro and during every time we've talked about the World Cup for the last four years. You know, it's a fucking travesty that this world cup has come to be through bribery through the modern iteration of slavery through thousands and thousands of needless deaths of migrant workers in Qatar and the suppression of ways of life and, and, you know, equal, equal values. All of this sucks. And we're going to, I think, continue to talk about it, you know, mention it during the world cup. And I think we're going to do what we can to, talk about it and our issues with it after the world cup, not just let the end of the sport be the end of the, of the conflict, but we're also going to, I think jump pretty headfirst right now into a soccer heavy conversation. And also, I, and I agree obviously with everything Eric said now, and I'll add this. If we lived in an ideal world, nobody would want to watch this world cup because of all the disgusting things that Eric just talked <laughs> about. Their numbers would tank to, catastrophically and they would never host a world cup in these sort of circumstances ever again but they know that 
people are weak and that those weak people will accept bribes. And they also know that other people are weak, like me, and we're gonna watch our. We're gonna watch the single greatest sporting event that we've been starved for for an extra six months. Which was bullshit. Which is bullshit. You uh, starved me for an extra six months so you could use slave labor. <laughs> what kind of fucking deal is that? Yeah, seriously. If it so, was like, you know what, they're not gonna use slaves, so we'll have the World Cup be in November because you know, it's I'll be like, okay, I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm okay with that. I can live with that. Well, also, while it is, this is one of the richest countries in the world. Just pay, like, just like, just pony up the fucking cash. Yeah, you're paying the Pakistanis ten dollars a day to come over and uh, pretend, be to, pretend to give a fuck. <laughs> Dude, I've never seen a less Germanic-looking group of German fans than when I saw the photos of the paid Pakistani pretending to be German national team fans. And this is no criticism on these Pakistani people. You Not should, at all. You should get money. Get that back. That money, get that back. You, need, you need, obviously you need that money to support your family. I am not, I will not criticize someone for trying to put food on the table for their family. What I am saying <laughs> is that it is a fucking absurd and far spectacle. Yes. And I think with that, let's jump into the soccer of it all. We got the roster. We got the roster, and I'm not, like, instant downward death spiraling. Okay. But I'll say this, Eric. We had some key insider information beforehand, and we're not going to reveal our source, but we had two things on very good authority before the roster was announced. One, like, a couple days before, and one kind of... Several hours. Several several hours hours before. before. And I think that helped you and I specifically process it. Absolutely. The two biggest shocks on the roster, we had time to process both of them. And that for sure did help. And one of those big shocks, I actually have like have come to terms with that I'm okay with it. The other shock, I still have a huge fucking like question mark with the accompanied upside down question mark to bracket the question. Okay, so... I think we will talk about those shocks as they come up in the squad. Yes. Should we just kind of go through the squad now for the USA? Yeah. I mean, we're going to get, we're going to get one to one of those shocks really quickly, considering we're going to start with goalkeepers. <laughs> ah, yes. So with, we have, uh, for our goalkeepers, we have Matt Turner, who will be the number one, uh, Ethan Horvath, who I assume will be the backup. When they released the, the squad numbers, he, he took 12, which is usually the like national team second string keeper usually yes and then um sean johnson which was a shocking shocking choice which for those following along at home will notice that means no zach stefan and that is the omission we were aware of days in advance and zach stefan who has played i think his last 12 games for middlesbrough so it's not an injury um and i mean i think after the roster release greg has done some interviews where he even said it was a form thing that uh matt's form has picked up i think ethan's form has picked up and they were not seeing what he wanted to see out of zach stefan which is just wild because zach has been greg's guy for every big World Cup qualifying game, even when Zach was coming from injury or Matt Turner was playing better, Zach was the one in between the posts for the big games. It's just it's a very surprising decision, but I feel and I think I think you would agree with this. If we were picking between the two of them to be starter in in the upcoming games, we were more comfortable with with Matt Turner as a shot stopper. 
Yes. And I will say that, yes, I am more comfortable with Matt Turner. But just because someone may not start or maybe even probably not play, right? In the best case scenario, your backup goalie never plays unless you're Louis Van Hall and you're pulling the and goalie you're doing some Jasper Sillison bullshit. Yeah. 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 In an ideal world, like, and honestly, as we talk about the roster, I would keep in mind that in an ideal world, you have 15 to 16 guys max who are going to play in the tournament. That's probably... Eight, eight, I think I think 18 if you want to be generous. Yeah, and out... Yeah, sure. So, out of 26. Yeah, those are the only guys who are going to see the field. And you, all things are right, it's going to be one goalie. But it, it's hard for me to not, like... Okay, sure. Horvath and Turner, better form. I'm not I'm not even disputing that. Yeah. Zach Turner deserved to go to the World Cup. Zach Steffen, yeah. Zach Steffen. I just combined them into a super goalie. <laughs> Zach Steffen does like there's like the pride of going to a World Cup has meaning, and Zach Steffen deserved to go to this World Cup over Sean Johnson, in my opinion. But without doubt. But I think what Greg was thinking. This is obviously very speculative. We've reached 100% conjecture from both sides now. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, he didn't want Zach Steffen to be there to think that Turner had some sort of short lease or get into Turner's head or the press. If Turner had a bad game one, the media would fucking, you know, how the media, the traditional soccer media is. If, it's disgusting. They would go on a absolute tear about how Turner or uh, Steffen should be the starter. Excuse me, Steffen. And he didn't want to have a goalie controversy in camp, and I think that's why he didn't call Zach Steffen up at all. Uh, I mean, I'm going to throw it back to you, but there's, a, I think, a great analogy for like uh, American football uh, Yes, if you have teams. two quarterbacks, you have none. So I can 100% see that be uh, the cause. There was one other, only one other possible explanation I, I can see, and once again, this has only, only suggesting this because I'm trying to put pieces together that don't fucking fit. Um, maybe there were concerns as to how Zach would handle not being the starter in the camp in a tournament where you are all pretty much kind of confined to each other in close quarters for hopefully a pretty long period of time. If there were some concerns that the, the negative impact Zach being the number two might have. Now there have been he's he's been a two at City, and we never once heard about like that kind of you know inability to accept that role sure. um so i i have nothing to go off of there but that's just something that like would be another the only other plausible explanation for me yeah yeah but i i think you're onto something if i had to put money on a theory i think it's the protecting the mentality of your chosen number one by preventing the possibility of a controversy or like questioning either within the squad or within the coaching staff or within the media at large. Yeah. Um, should we talk about defenders? I think we should talk about defenders because for the most part, I think we've got reason to be happy and to celebrate with one or two questions that need to be asked. And I have, yeah, I have two issues and that's it. Yeah. And one issue I have, we knew we were going to be saddled with yes. anyways, right? we knew it was going to be an issue. So let's just – I'll just jump right into it. The defenders we've got here, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Good for you. Hey, 
Fuck yeah, man. Captain of Celtic, or he's been captain Celtic lately. He's been one of the, if not the top rated defenders in the Scottish Premier League for the last two years. Hell yeah, baby. Get that bread. Serginho Dest. Dest is healthy. best. Healthy and with his, coming off of his best performance in a Milan jersey literally over the weekend. Here's the one that one that we're not happy with that we knew we were never going to avoid. Aaron Long. Should we just talk long now? Or Yeah, uh, no, uh, no, no, no. Let's go through the names real quick, and then we'll okay. jump back. Okay. Another one that I think is the big question for me, based what? off of who, who he's replacing what or keeping out. What a fuck. Shaq Moore. <sighs> Moving on to potentially the biggest win of the roster. And to me, the guy who deserves to be there the most, in my opinion. More than any single person, I think. Yep. Tim Ream. Captain of Fulham America. Let's fucking go! With his left-sided defensive partner, Anthony Jedi Robinson. Also known as Lady Liberty's left back. Lady Liberty's left back. And then another one that I I was more worried about a few months back, a few weeks back, just because of Greg's refusal to bring him in to the camp. Uh, But Joe Scally, really well-deserved call-up. Absolutely. Can play on both sides. Yeah. Can play both sides very flexible. Uh, rounding us out, we also get the only uh, World Cup veteran in the squad with DeAndre Yedlin, and well, then great leadership yeah, guy. Great leadership guy. Hopefully, doesn't doesn't get too many minutes. If he's getting the reserve minutes over Scally, I've got concerns. Other than that, I'm I'm happy he's there. We need experience in the locker room. And then finally, we've got the guy who has played his best performances in a USA jersey. During World Cup qualifying, Walker and proved Zimmerman. us both very wrong. Proved us both. You know, pr- Walker Zimmerman and Tim Ream have proved us both very wrong over the last, you know, year, eighteen months. You know, man, center backs are just—they're just weird because they're not real also, soccer players, so it's just hard to rate them. <laughs> also, like a lot of Tim Ream's uh, performances had come in as like makeshift uh, left back for the U.S., like against against Irving Lozano in Mexico. Okay, so. yeah, he was not put in positions to succeed by prior. And, and therefore, neither were we. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. We kind of knew that Aaron Long would be there and Johnny I, Brooks would not. I think I think we should just at least... We don't need to harp on it because it's probably the most belabored argument in all of U.S. men's soccer, like, social media conversation. But my biggest issue with Aaron Long is... He's not... You know, there, there, were, there were better MLS American defenders this season... That didn't get even considered. You know, Matt Miazga moved back to MLS, had a much better season than Aaron Long. Aaron Long wasn't even the best American center back on his team. And that guy got nowhere near, rightfully so, the the squad. I know he's coming off of injury. You know, and I always think when someone comes off a major, major injury, to me, you're not back to yourself until at least 12 months. I mean, your body is, you're just, you're not. Any major injury. But as of right now, and this is not to be a dick, Aaron Long is a terrible fucking soccer player. <laughs> and the next-gen analytics prove that. The eye test proves that. Any the way you want to measure it, it's there. The, the eye test of him continuously getting beat by pace while trying to play a high line, which was, like, the whole reason that Aaron Long is, like, in the squad was his ability to play a high line. That's what was really concerning. So, unless... Do you have any other points on Aaron Long? I don't... I don't like I said, I don't, I don't need to, like beat this to death hey guys guess what 
if he gets minutes, starter or sub, for the U.S., I am full-throated supporting him to play as best as he damn well can and hopefully help deliver a result, right? We're not we're not going to be rooting against this guy in any way, shape, or form, except for, like, we may be rooting against him getting starting minutes. Yes. Well said. So, Donnie, Shaq Moore. I got I to gotta know about it. I just really don't understand this one. Reggie Cannon just about plays every single game for Boa Vista. And Reggie just about Cannon, goes 90 for every game for Boa Vista. And he's flexible positionally because he can play a center back in a pinch. I just... He can play both fullback spots. Yeah, I just don't understand why Shaq Moore is here at all. I... I, this really shocked me. Can I ask you a question? Can yes. can can you stroll with me to Conspiracy Corner? Yeah, dude. My tinfoil hat is always on. <laughs> if there is, if there is the often rumored MLS quota requirement, Shaq Moore, who moved to Nashville for this season, may have been the final number to hit that MLS quota requirement. That would actually explain multiple of these. Wouldn't it? I'm so upset. Why is that a thing? That's why long... I, and it may not be a thing, right? It it's, is. It's, it's, it's it whispered is. about in the dark it corners is. of the internet. Someone just it would, it would explain phone, why like, Long was ears. never... It would explain why Long was never able to be questioned in the roster, right? Even though he has that big Achilles injury and has not come back from it, really. Okay, real quick. I mean, do, do you want to harp on any of the positives in any more detail? I mean, big fucking win for Tim Ream. Yeah, Tim Ream, big win. CCP, big rim. Our full, our top three fullbacks in, the, in, in my personal fullback depth chart look fantastic. Hopefully it doesn't go beyond that. Uh, Yedlin, I've had never had an issue with. You need somebody. You're not gonna have Brooks. And, you need somebody who's been to a world. Cup. And we've always liked Yedlin too, as just like like the like the guy he is, like the personality he leadership, is, locker leadership in swagger. He's got some swagger to him. Like he, even when he was a young kid coming in uh, to the 2014 roster. So uh, big, big, big wins there. You know, don't want the questions over two spots to overshadow um, what could have been much worse call ups. But yes, I think overall, we, great. We pour one out for a boy, John Brooks, who deserved to be here from that leader. Even if you were never going to play him a minute, he's the only guy who's got a World Cup goal <laughs> in the player pool. Um, so, like, sucks that he was never even considered. My boy Reggie Cannon got shafted. Got got the hard one in the in the soft spot. Yeah. Donnie, do you want to talk about a pretty exciting uh, group here? I do. All right. Your... U.S. men's national team midfielders going to the World Cup are Brendan Aronson. You know, we're, we're listing the first midfielder we're listed, listing is a, is a forward. I love that, by the way. <laughs> okay, to be fair, I am reading my, my list is on U.S. Soccer. No, no, U.S. Soccer announced him as a midfielder. Yep. And he's because the, they did alphabetically the first midfielder we announced, like we as a country, is somebody who actually applies his trade officially as a forward. <laughs> Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Luca Della Torre, Weston McKinney, 
Yunus Musa, Christian Roldan. Hey, man. That, how, how many midfielders is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven midfielders. And depending on scenarios, if six of those seven midfielders get playing time, I have no, I'm happy or have absolutely no concerns or complaints. That's a pretty fucking good rate of return for a U.S. Uh, position roster. It's our best positional group. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you, when you get to slot Brendan Aronson in there as well. Which makes sense because he was even talked about long-term. He thinks his best position can be like an eight or a box-to-box, slightly more advanced midfielder. Uh, so like, I, I get it. I wonder if we're going to actually see him play much time at midfield or is he probably i think going to be the first attacking sub for one of the wingers who maybe just isn't feeling it um, but we can we'll get into squad a best 11 and assumed predicted lineups uh a little bit later uh but like this this makes me smile from cheek to cheek looking at the names of aronson adams mckinney musa knowing that serviceable like backup for Tyler Adams and Kellen Acosta is there and a guy who can progress the ball and make plays, uh, maybe in late game substitutions, Luca De La Torre is there as well. Yeah. Um, I'll say this about Christian Roldan, kind of what I've read. He is a guy that is apparently beloved in the locker room. Everybody loves him. And he's also a guy who I've heard watches games, like during games, goes up to the assistant coaches, talks about what he sees. He seems to add a non-field value, and like I like we talked about at the beginning, sixteen to eighteen guys are gonna feel are gonna fill the pitch, and what you should do with those other eight spots is fill it with young guys to get them world get them experience being in a camp and locker room guys. So yes, well I don't think Roldan should see a minute of playing time unless like some dire fucked up situation comes up. It seems like he is beloved in the locker room, beloved by the coaches, and he's gonna be a good locker room glue guy. So, with all that being said, I, would, I, would I have personally had Malik Tillman in? Yes. That's what I would have done. Us but both. I think this was not as – when you think about, like, the non-on-field components, I think there was some merit to this choice. And there's a very good chance that he has the best potential of this group to be a future American coach. Yeah. Yeah. Right, with those qualities that you kind of described, he might have the best the best potential of, of being a coach later on. So, like – yeah, no, I agree with 100%. There, there, there are a few names I could pull together in the midfield section that I would have rather have there from a talent-wise or like age perspective, but I am not going to make a stink anywhere near his name based off of what we got. Yeah. You want to list off our forwards? Our forwards. Jesus Ferreira. Jordan Morris. Rough that that it's a heavy MLS contingent the first two out. Yeah, but the next, the next. Then it gets then it gets pretty fucking dope though. Yeah. Christian Pulisic, Geo, the man, the American Dream, Reina, the Red fucking Baron, who we've been talking about for years now. Wow. Joshua Sargent, love a good podcast vindication. Re- hey, representing O'Fallon too. <laughs> Mister Swag himself, Timothy Weah, Which... footballing royalty. Quick point, George Weah, only African to ever win the Ballon d'Or. George Weah never played at a World Cup. Tim Weah playing at a World Cup. 
George Weah has said he's going to go to Qatar for nine days to be able to watch Tim play. That's awesome. That's sick. And then rounding it out, the biggest surprise of this group, Haji Wright. Who has only made three appearances for the U.S. men's national team. I don't and one of those was a in a World Cup qualifier. One of those was in, that, was in the recent World Cup qualifier where he scored a penalty. Um, he is lighting up the Turkish uh, Super League. Sure. So, Donnie, I think we just come out and talk about So this was the, the surprise we found cool. out a couple hours before. And the surprise that I still haven't been able to really come to terms with. I Ricard- am... Ricardo Pepe shafted. I can honestly say without any hyperbole that if it weren't for Pepe's goals during World Cup qualifying, we would not be in the World Cup right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Without his goals uh, during the early kind of phase of qualifying, when Greg was under some pressure. Um, Literally saved the man's job. I think he saved the man's job. And when you think about what we mentioned with Zach Steffen, and then you factor this in here, what was really interesting to me is earning the spot based off of what you did to get the team here during qualifying clearly was not factored in to who's coming on the roster. And I can understand if like you had somebody that was on fire the first couple months of qualifying and then has been dog shit since then. You know, you have questions. And no doubt Pepe went through a tough period. But Pepe is fucking delivering in the era diversity, which we have often talked about as a technically skilled league and a great league to really like grow and build your 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 abilities. I mean, the stars that that league has produced is second to none. And he is nine goals and assist contributions. Yeah, in, seven, goal, like, seven goals, two assists, ten games. Yeah. What? The U.S. men's national team has never lost a game that he has started. That's actually wild, too. That is... That's wild. Uh, and then, okay, you want to bring Haji Wright? Sure. I, we, can, we can talk about P. Falk and Haji Wright down the line in a second. But Jordan Morris over Pepe? Pepe, who gels with the attack. Pepe, who makes the off-the-ball <sighs> runs. Pepe, who runs back. I mean... You know, you know what sucks? It was the question for them, because they only think linearly, was never, is, is, should, like, is Jordan taking this other guy's spot? They see, they see Jordan Morris only as a winger, and they see Pepe only as a striker. And as a result, like, it was never, should Jordan not be on to make way for Pepe? It was, we could only fit three strikers, so we're going with Jesus Ferreira, we're going with Josh Sargent, and we're going with Haji Wright. What's wild to me is that's not how like rosters, I think, rosters are fluid. Positions are fluid. Josh Sargent, unfortunately, is on a team where they have a preferred striker in Timu Puki. Josh Sargent, uh, has, he's, he played half his games uh, because of an injury to Puki as striker, but he's played his other half as a fucking winger, and he's been delivering goals and assists in that position as well. So like, if you got to a dire position where you would have needed Jordan Morris to actually play a winger, and you couldn't bring it, you couldn't slide over Brendan Aronson, um, you know, Pulisic, Geo, or Timothy, you could have easily slotted emergency Josh Sargent, who's played more minutes at winger than some of the wingers that we've called in this year. Also, 
and this is kind of my point overall about rosters for World Cups, if you're already in the situation where Pulisic <laughs> and Gio and Wea and Aronson can't all play winger and they're not available, you're already fucked. Well, so I having fucking you... Jordan Morris play winger ain't gonna do shit at that point. We've already gotten fucked. Whatever it is, gonna... we're already <laughs> fucked. I thought you were gonna go to the other point of the point of a national team manager is to get your best eleven players on the field. That has always been my point with you and our point about. But, You've said but, that on this podcast several times too. But also, my other point is when managers are thinking about these crazy hypotheticals, they need to stop and realize, oh, you know what? If it actually gets to that point, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I'm fucked. Yeah. And not worry about it. And not worry about a situation where our like, four of our best attacking players are all dead. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, we're, we've made it to the knockout round. We're playing Netherlands in the, in, in the elimination game, and we don't have the four best attacking players. So, like, yeah, what? What the fuck are you even like worrying about in that case? The doomsday scenario has already happened. Doomsday scenarios are you don't survive a doomsday scenario. So like, yeah, I, it's my heart breaks for Pepe, man. To choose us over Mexico, given all the pressure from his family, his heritage, to then make the move to Europe to to be in a better competition. To go through that adversity at Augsburg. To get this loan move to the Eredivisie. To be fucking lighting it up. I it's just... I, I am sick for him, dude. He's 19... And people say... People keep saying, oh, he's young. He'll have another chance. Dude, like, knock not. on wood, guy may fucking destroy his leg, break it in half tomorrow. You never know with careers. You just don't what? know. You knew it also made it really sit even harder in my stomach. If he doesn't make this move uh, to Europe, Jesus Ferreira never gets minutes at striker. Yep. Because Jesus Ferreira, by all accounts, is not as good as Ricardo Pepe. Hasn't been as good as Ricardo Pepe. And has to sit in his shadow. But because Pepe moves to challenge himself, kind of what it sounded like at the request of Greg Berhalter, Uh, it's not easy being a 19-year-old kid from El Paso and moving to Europe and living to by yourself. Augs Augsburg, Germany. That sounds racist in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, it's not it's, easy. It's... Like, people forget, like, the dude is a kid. And yeah. he, he struggled. I'm the first one to say that he struggled. I don't want to shy away from it. But then guess what? All right, it's not working. He, unlike so many other U.S. men's players, he was in a tough situation... He and his team for something to be different. He got alone, and look how it's worked out for him. Yeah. Pepe got fucked. It's... I'm so sad about it. I don't know what else to say. He should be on this roster. And if we don't score any fucking goals at the World Cup, Greg should Tom be Greg. fucking quartered and then fired. <laughs> Drawn and quartered? Yes. Tarred and feathered? Yes! Um, I will say this. Going back to, like, it's a long camp. People are going to be in close quarters. What, what had to give Haji Wright an inside track is that he grew up in the youth camps with Adams, Pulisic, Weston. Yeah. Those guys all get along really well. And, like, you know what? I am not upset at Haji Wright for getting this call up, right? Like, he, he did what he could do to put himself in contention. It just sucks that, like... Really, it sucks that the name I'm looking at is Jordan Morris on this list, and not 
Well, let's say what it is. We're mad at Jordan. And I'm not, we're not mad at Jordan Morris. No. We don't blame him. We're mad at Greg. We blame Greg. Yeah. Um, Peafock. This the guy one, who was scoring for Union Berlin. For Union Berlin, yes. Um, <laughs> interesting point Greg made about this when he was asked. He hasn't scored, like, I don't think people can. has slowed down between the last international camp and this one. And I don't think you could say, like, he's gone out of form or anything. But from a guy who the manager clearly was always trying to keep off the roster. Pifok didn't make it impossible for Greg to keep him off the roster. And once again, like that, that shouldn't be what you have to do to get called into the, into the, to the camp. But it's just, it is what it is. Pifok was not to the degree of Brooks, but I kind of had a feeling he wasn't going to make it. Yeah. It, was, I agree. it wasn't as gut wrenching as Pepe. Okay. We've talked about the roster. Negativity, negativity, putting that aside as best I can. I can't, I can't guarantee it. I know I'm going to go negative. Yeah, in a yeah few Greg points. is still our coach. Like, there's only so yeah. much positiveness I can give you. Also, I think we'll point out we talked about this offline a while back. This is one of those moments, and we we've alluded we alluded to it like when he was hired. This is one of those moments where you and I, in a couple days are praying to God we are proven wrong and have to eat our fucking words. So badly. I will apolo- I will apologize to Greg. I will I will give him the double wrister. If he proves us wrong, we will be nominated for Cucks of the Year. Absolutely. <laughs> Gratefully. Com- combined, yes. Combined co-cucks of the year. For some reason, that's so much worse. One, How, one, Greg, I don't know one, Greg, one Greg, two cucks. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a, that's a great episode title for a that's, wrong. That's what's at stake. Um, and again, we hope we are wrong about him. We hope that God, this group yes, gels and explodes. So should we talk about kind of our group at the World Cup? And Yeah. Well, or, there's, 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 we could go do? a little more in-depth about who we believe and like know are going to be starting. And there's a quest like, like we can talk a bit more about how we think the 11 of the U S will line up come Wales, or would you rather talk about Wales, like the, the opponents and then dovetail back to that? We can talk about how we think this team will line up knowing kind of Greg, his tendencies. And then yeah. we can talk about uh, Wales, England and Iran. Perfect. And, and reason I kind of want to go there is I saw a, like a Twitter report Earlier today, uh, I guess from somebody that was observing training uh, recently, mm-hmm. and they had a couple things that they pointed out: Weston McKinney training alongside the starters with Eunice Musa and Tyler Adams in the midfield. So I think what you and I have kind of ex- assumed to be the case, we're gonna uh, gonna go with the MMA midfield. Uh, a lot of self-appointed geniuses in Twitter think that Weston shouldn't be in the starting 11. And I think we could have a conversation about that. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. That shit is outrageous. That's fucking stupid. You want to leave out the guy that has the most like American grit in the entire squad. If he's left out, especially against these three teams, Iran, Iran, Wales, and England will bully the shit out of us. Absolutely. Bully completely agree. the shit out of us. If we don't have Weston there. Plus Greg has also shown that like, when healthy, he wants to put MMA out there, and that's that. That's a decision I agree with. And like, I don't, 
I don't know if I'd back this, but like if there was one of those positions that you wanted to swap out for somebody else, I think it had to be Musa. But I, I, I like Musa's strength, physicality, and his ability to progress the ball between the lines. Yeah, and another important thing I think in all of this is that you know the you know there's a lot of there's a lot of consequences here for Weston because in Qatar consensual sex outside of marriage is punished by death. <laughs> so Greg doesn't have to worry about anything like that happening with Weston because surely Weston isn't so horny that he wants to die. <laughs> um, the other report about like uh, players starting with, uh, or training with the starters. Uh, was Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman were training with the starters in defense. And that lets me breathe. Uh, I mean, I'm still nervous that Long will be announced as a starter, but it sounds like from all all reports is Ream's performance and his partnership with Jedi Robinson has vaulted him into a starting spot with Walker Zimmerman in that back line, the assumption being Dest be the, be the other starter down there, back there. Yeah, that's 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 what I have here on my um, Greg's lineup piece of paper. Now the question, and then I think we can all assume that Pulisic is in, is going to be the left wing for Greg. That that would be yes. Why actually is this a good time to talk about Pulisic? Yeah, as a whole, I think Christian Pulisic is under so much pressure in this World Cup to perform. And not only is he, it's like such a shitty situation for him because, you know, he's anointed by the media. He's, you know, he's the face of American soccer. He's widely considered our best player. But it's like you have never played at a World Cup before. And you're not old, but you're not 19. You're not a teenager. You're, you're not an unknown, like, process. You're not an unknown thing that people don't know how to game play, have never had a game plan against before. Right. There's tape on him. So, on the one hand, he has this this expectation, this pressure to perform. But on the other hand, we've also seen sometimes when Pulisic tries to do a little too much in games. And so... Hearable. Right. Having to balance those... I do not envy his position whatsoever because he has to balance two really difficult things and ride a line that is razor fucking thin. And, I, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm just being real with it. Absolutely. Um, and like, and and I think this kind of goes to something that we've been talking about, and I think we can cover this now. Neither of us think that Pulisic should be the one to wear the armband as the captain. Oh, can we talk about captains? Or do you want? Do you have I, 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 I'm I'm ADD right now. My bad. Well, how about this? I, I I took us to captains, but let's 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 cover the last two positions and then talk about captains. Thank you. The last two positions, I'd actually like us to next go to striker before we finish up with the white, the, the, the right winger. I, I, that's, that's, that's my bad on that one, guys. The right winger. So in striker, I think we both assume Greg is going to put Jesus Ferreira as his starting striker. Yep. Donnie showed me his paper where he wrote Jesus. It's, that, that's been Greg's preferred guy. He loves how he fits in his quote-unquote system. Jesus hasn't scored in a while, hasn't played in a while, missed some sitters in the FC Dallas's elimination game in MLS playoffs. Like, I don't get it, but I think that's where Greg's going to go. I'll say one thing about the sitter, that the one sitter that everyone pointed to, Jesus, that came in the 118th minute after he'd been playing two True. hours. 
I would like True. the people on Twitter to go play soccer for 118 minutes and then try to score a fucking sitter. It, and it's a little different me. than missing a sitter in the 40th minute of a game. That's all I'm going to say. Let me correct myself. That was also – that wasn't the game they got eliminated in. They won that game in penalties. So, like, yes. that sitter didn't cost them. But he also was kind of a ghost uh, in the elimination game against Austin FC. Completely anonymous. Um, so I, I feel I feel confident speaking for you that we would both probably if – if you have to put a, an actual striker in that position, we would both want Josh Sargent in that spot. Yes. Okay. But we both agree that Greg is going to put Jesus Ferreira out there. Yes. And I like I'm, – I'm, I'm, I, might, I might throw out Tim Wea out there because I'm fucking – who knows? Well, that's why I was saying an official nine. Yes, an like, official nine – Sergeant 100% is my go-to guy. If I'm getting to be fucking weird and fluid with it, I may throw out way because I don't believe in positions. Well, and here, I think that's a, that's a poignant point because the last spot over on the, the, the right wing, mm. you got three players that I think have more than earned their spot from a combination of the most talented player that we haven't named, mm-hmm. combination of player that brought the most to the team when he was in during World Cup qualifying, mm-hmm. and the player that I think is in the best form. And those, I think, are all three different players. Mm-hmm. Most talented that we haven't named is obviously Gio Reyna. Mm-hmm. Dude, is, dude is just... He, 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 he's very... I, would, I wouldn't... I would not begrudge anybody the argument that he's the most talented player on the team um like he might be he's fucking great yeah i have the, him second to desk as in terms of most technically skilled player that's fair that's fair the the player that brought the most like dynamism and like added the most when he was involved in the squad during qualifying honestly for the longest stretches was timothy Weah. hey throwback type of winger with pace and strength who will just fucking no fear he will run and directly at you he adds the thing the buzzword that greg loves to say the most about his offensive scheme verticality sure and I, then at a principle yeah. i will not ever refer to that concept or <laughs> but you, you know what i'm talking about it's yes but and a man then the has final, to have a code uh, <laughs> the final thing is a when this this third player was included because of injuries to wingers he delivered assists, goals in a U.S. jersey, and he's on fire for leads right now. Brendan Aronson. Yes. It's hard, I think, to leave any 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 one of those three guys off of the starting eleven, but you've got to leave two. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. God, it is tough. It is. Tough. I want to know who you who you think Greg leaves off, and then who you would leave off. Oh, uh, Greg will start right. I think Greg might start Wea. Really? And have I do. no sit, dude? I do. I I I know. That's I crazy. I just be Here's the thing. Greg has never now, granted, been able... we're, we're, we're speculating the mind of a madman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to look into the abyss right now. Um I I would start Reyna. I would start Reyna. I think he starts way up because of that fucking verticality buzzword bullshit. What's interesting is we've never we've never seen a fully healthy 
Pulisic, Reyna, Weya, and Aronson for Greg to have to pick between. You could play all four. You can't play all four and the MMA midfield. You can't. Agreed. But you could play all four. But you could play all four. And that's where the Twitter geniuses have been saying you bench Weston McKinney. No, you don't. I, I, I know. You play I all four, but you, 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 I love Musa, but you bench Musa. So, you put Weya in at striker. He's played every fucking forward position, and he's performed decently to well in every single one of them. Yes. You move, you move Weya to striker. Yes. You got Pulisic and one of Gio or Aronson on the wing, yes. and then the other of Gio and Aronson in the hole. Yes. We agree. But Greg would never. <laughs> no, 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 no. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. You really think he's going to play a way over Rain? That's crazy. He's, I think he's the he most might. talented player we have. I know. You can't not start him. I think he might. Oh, fuck me. Damn, we were so close to going 11 for 11 on our Greg lineup. But, again, it's hard to predict what a crazy person will do. True. And, like, at the end of the day, like, in a vacuum, you show me that 11 with, like, Weya over Reyna. I'm not mad, but it's if like if 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 Reyna is healthy and isn't on the field, it's like I don't know what we're doing. And obviously, I I, I could be way off my fucking rocker. I could be out of my gourd. I don't know. I probably am, but I might be. Wrong. No, I. You know what? Is it like I I don't think you're crazy of saying that. Like I'm thinking about it more, and I'm like, yeah. You know what? I kind of kind of see it actually. But what this what that all means? I mean, regardless of which two are left off of that roster, I love our offensive substitution. Like our our first two offensive players off the off the bench to like run at tired defenders. Yes, great. I fucking love that. It's nice to have options in multiple positions instead of like barely scrounging together eleven when, guys. When have we ever? mentioned that we were comfortable with like our offensive substitutions going into a world cup <laughs> dude like literally never 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 also i don't think we said it but we have turner as our keeper no we did say it okay 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 because like we hey, said Donnie. it when we talked about the goalie like, that's true that's true that's true we said i'm just being the number one if that's sean right. johnson starts i will fucking kill him. i, I, I will say this do. if if sean if, if like god forbid something happens and turner can't play every single minute it has to be Horvath. if if Horvath isn't the undisputed number two, I've got problems. <laughs> no, dude, the whole team. <laughs> That's true. Um, okay. You wanna wanna pivot to our our uh, our opponents? Yes. Where do you, you want to start in match order or? Let's go with match order. We start on Monday against Wales. Let's let's talk about it. All right, Wales manager Rob Page, captain Gareth Bale. Best player, Ben Davies? <laughs> Obviously, most clutch player, Gareth Bale. Best, like, talent ever ever had at one point on this roster, Gareth Bale. But is is Gareth Bale today the best player on the roster? No. Dude, is Wayne Hennessy their best player? He's got the coolest name. Is he? Hey, do you think he's related to that porn star we talked about earlier? <laughs> no, Russian actually, I know star. her name is like Alana Kasha and Hennessy is just her same it... name. <laughs> but it would be 
really funny if they if we could really if we could attack you know what nobody would look us up who listens to this podcast nobody would attack us we should have lied and just tied those together that would have been so beautiful um okay. so i mean uh, we can name a few right obviously uh so i think wayne hennessy is probably going to be the starter unless danny ward um but i'd assume it's hennessy right yeah yeah gotta be um so nico williams is okay nico williams is fine joe rodon i like eh but ethan ampadu harry wilson's all right daniel james scored against man U. yep uh kiefer kiefer moore is a solid big target man yeah aaron ramsey <laughs> congratulations to him he made it on the squad yeah, fucking it. What are they gonna do? Call up Ryan Giggs too to play for them? <laughs> Joe Allen. That's it. I mean, like, like these are names that you know, right? These yeah. are names that you know. Here's what I want to say about the squad. If I'm comparing it to our squad, I give them the advantage in goalkeeper. Yep. I give them the advantage in target in number nine striker. Yeah. Kiefer Moore. He's playing well for Bournemouth. And I give them the advantage in center backs. Yeah. And, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I give us the advantage in fullbacks, every midfield position, and wingers. Yeah. This will, I mean, that's kind of an, a relatively even balance. I think I like that we have stronger fullback. And also, I think our fullback, like, we are stronger in the positions that we're better than them in than they are in the position that they're better than, than us in. That makes sense. Here's, here's my thing about Wales. I think they play a little bit more cohesive than we do. Yes. They have a better manager than we do. Well, everyone in every team in this group has a better manager than we do. Especially the team whose manager is our manager's mentor. Well, we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> I just had to, I had to say that. Um, they also ha- had a tough... I mean, it's harder to qualify in Europe than it is in our... We have the easiest route to qualifying. We do every year, or every, yes. every cycle. There's a reason why teams like fucking... Every year, a huge European team isn't at the World Cup. It's, it, it's a much more difficult qualification process. Do I think we should beat Wales? Yes, I do. We're going to dominate the midfield... You and I both know the, the importance of the fullback in the modern game. Now it's the most important position, really. We dominate the fullbacks. We dominate the wings. Yep. But, you know, imagine just a stupid foul and then a Gareth Bale yes. free kick. You cannot give Gareth Bale a, a free kick with you know, from 30 and in angled as a shot on goal. You just can't do that because he is so fucking clutch. He's gonna he's gonna force a tough save or probably score. So you that 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 is the one thing that you cannot fucking do. And I'm gonna make this comment about our group as a whole. No single team beating any other single team would really shock me because mm-hmm. of the composition of the group and that our group favorite Juggernaut England. While they have done well the last two international tournaments, very well actually, yes, under well. Southgate, it's still England. And they've been in a slump, like in the Nations Leagues, like like they've been in a slump over the last couple of months too. Since since the uh, 
the Euro final loss. They have not really – or since World Cup qualifying. They, they did really want World Cup qualifying. But and like, we know Harry Maguire is going to start for them, and he always yes. will give an opposing team a chance. This, in my opinion, oh. should be – this to me on paper, and maybe this is controversial, but I actually think this should be the easiest team for us to get a win against. I would I would put I would I would kind of follow up with easier to get a win against these guys than Iran, but it's also hard it's it's easier to lose to these guys than Iran. So I'll disagree with that second part because I think Taremi is a better player than any of Wales team. Yeah. Dude's on we'll get to him in a minute. And he's I would on. argue that if we're comparing pure number nines, he's probably the second best striker in the group out of Harry outside of Harry Kane. The guy is I agree, I, I completely agree. I, a, I actually completely get that. So it's like, but he kind of worries me because it's like, what if he just goes off? Yeah, I just, I, I, there's not much else like an attacking support that he's going to be getting. So I, 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 I can, I can see, I could see a draw, the most likely outcome with Iran. Yeah. I could see a win or a loss for me, but I, I definitely get where you're coming from. Get your point. I, I do want to point out like, yes, UEFA qualifying is fucking tough. Yes. Um, Wales finished second in a group of Belgium. Tough. Wales, the Czech Republic, not quite what they used to be. Fair. Estonia and Belarus. Okay, two of those teams don't even count. We could have finished second in that group, honestly. Yes, but we wouldn't have because we didn't finish second <laughs> in our qualifying. I know, I know, I know. We could have, but we wouldn't have. Yes, sure. I just wanted to point out that, like, yes, Europa or UEFA qualifying is fucking tough, but not every group is equally as difficult. That is absolutely true. You, some teams, some people get shafted. Yeah, like when you get like, like, I mean, Denmark and Italy, I think we're in the same group, and that's what kept that's Italy a out. Right? That's a shafting. Uh, um, so, and also, I worry. The what also worries me about Wales is it's the first game, dude. The nerves of having the second youngest team the U.S. has at the World Cup. Yep. I just and you know and that first game is so important. I think you have the stat offhand. It's it's not an exact number, but I believe it's like eighty percent of people that win the first game advance out of the group, and like eighty five percent of teams that lose the first game are end up eliminated from the group stage. I, like, that, that's that's rough numbers, but it's around those seventy and eighties for both. And the the losing of the first game is a higher number than the winning of the first game. It's 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 brutal. And like, what worries me is Greg is going to know that and try to go for a draw when obviously you you if you go for a draw against any team, but especially against a team like Wales, you're going to you're going to end up behind the ball. Yeah, you know, they you know, we didn't talk about it, but Harry Wilson had a slower start for Fulham this year, but had a great season last season to help him get promoted. You know, Dan James, these are guys who know t- and also I'll say this. Dan James is a fast fucking dude. He's very fast. And if it's gonna be the Reem Zim partnership and Dest and Robinson have pushed up in the attack and Wales has a breakaway, yeah, Dan James in a foot race against Reem and Zim, good night, sweet prince. The thing I do like is I like those center backs bodying up against Kiefer Moore. Yes, that is where they're going to be tight. And it's also why it's going to be so important for Robinson and Des to be aware of which one is pushing up so one can stay back and help clean up. And I'm praying Greg has been taking notes as to how 
Tyler Adams has been so effective in breaking up like the beginning of counterattacks, right? Our best way of defending some of these speedy wingers on counterattacks is going to be to prevent that outlet pass in the first place. And that's where I think Tyler Adams excels. Is there anything else you want to say about Wells? Yeah. It sucks that they're in our group because this would be a fun team to like have sympathies for in a different group. Yes. It's their first World Cup since like 50-something. Yes. They're a nation of 3 million plus people. And also kind of like you've got... I've been watching the uh, Welcome to Wrexham, and I think you've watched it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you finished it. Mm-hmm. You, you have finished it. I haven't finished it, but I've got like one episode left. You've almost finished it. So you've gotten enough to know like getting that experience into kind of Welsh soccer culture has been pretty fun. Also, they hate the English, and I love that. Yeah. Well, that's why there's so, so, many, there's so <laughs> many good geopolitical matchups in this group. So I, that's all I want to say about Wales. You know, I, I, if, I mean, if I could pick personally, I think I would want U.S. to win and Wales to go through second. I, my ideal scenario is U.S., Wales, Iran, England would be my ideal yeah. uh, ordering. But I'd take – yeah, I'd take U.S., Iran, uh, Wales, England because that would also be an incredible story. That would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next game, Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving. Donnie, who we got? Who the – World Cup semifinalists from 2018, the European finalists from the last year's, I guess, yeah, last year's Euro, um, England. Okay. So, manager. <laughs> oh. <laughs> manager. Gareth Southmouth Southgate. Southgate. <laughs> uh, who is, apparently, it's coming out that he is Greg Berhalter's mentor, and holy shit, you and I have been comparing the two for such a long time. <laughs> Played so much. It's just like simulation confirmed. <laughs> we are not Question more talented no. than this team. <laughs> no, we are not. Goalkeepers, Jordan Pickford, Aaron, Aaron Ramsdale, Nick Pope. I would assume Pickford starts because he's had the gloves since before the world, the last World Cup. And he's on a run of solid form for Everton lately. Yeah. But you could also say, I mean, Ramsdale's on solid form for Arsenal. Like, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Ramsdale started over Pickford, but Southgate will stick with Pickford, and Pickford hasn't done anything to, like, call into that question. Not not, not in the last six, eight months. Also, I just wanted to be noted that SkySports.com has a typo in their um, roster announcement. They have Dean Henderson in instead of Pickford. Do they really? I'm, yeah, look. I mean, I'm. That can't be right, right? Look at the first it's name. After, it's definitely Pickford. It's definitely Pickford. Okay. <laughs> Fucking wild would that be if I picked Pickford? Because earlier in the things. article, earlier in the article, they say we know Jordan Pickford is going to start in goal. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes, Southgate is. Very conservative, but has been successful in knockout competitions. Uh, the mm-hmm. last two, the most success England has had in knockout competitions, honestly, have come from him since they won the World Cup in 1966. However, like you alluded to, they have been kind of dog shit in their last few games leading up to this World Cup. Over several windows, not just like one window. It, wasn't, it was, yeah, it was like, not a one-off. Like two or three different windows 
Um, kind of dog shit. Uh, I ran through goalkeepers. I kind of jumped the gun there on that one. Uh, but what about our defenders that that will be will be running up against? So overall, the unit is Trent Alexander Arnold, but I wouldn't call him a defender. Ben White, Connor Cody, Eric Dyer, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran Trippier, and Kyle Walker. Kind of a still a health question mark at this point um, for at least the group stages. I know for a fact that. Luke Shaw, Maguire, Stones will start. And probably if, Trippier. Yes. Because he is probably the, the, like, the best set-piece taker in this squad. And you know that's a big part of England teams. And <laughs> Southgate does not like Trent Alexander-Arnold. Primarily because he can't defend. He can't defend. And Southgate is a pragmatic defense-first manager. Yeah, I mean, if, if Kyle Walker is healthy by this game, he'll be the, he will, center back. He'll be the, the right center back. Yeah, and if not, uh, I would if it was me picking to want England to win, I'd probably have Ben White. He's been really, really good for Arsenal this season. I could see um, uh, Southmouth doing uh, Eric Dyer. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if we see Connor Cody. Should we talk about the midfield? I, I just want to point out, you mentioned this earlier, our saving grace is you can count on a slip from Harry Maguire, and you might even be able to get a penalty or a red card out of him. Which would be great. I also point out, we lucked out that they're most in, almost in, the second most informed English player to start this club season, Reese James. Unfortunately for him, he's not here, but that worked out in our favor. Yeah, we, obviously you want the best players to be playing in the best tournament in the world. Yes. So Stuxley is, not, say Stuxley is not there, but yes. it would be dishonest to say that that didn't work out better for the matchup for us. Yes. Midfielders, Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham, Calvin Phillips, which surprised me but also didn't surprise me. Jordan Henderson must be really good at cards. Connor Gallagher and Mason Mount. Sky Sports has James Madison listed as a midfielder. Oh, I've got him on my uh, forwards list. James Madison, put him in here. Thank you. Sorry, that that was like a Brendan Aronson kind of thing where I think no, you could it could go either, either way. one. It yeah. could go either way. Yeah. But he does he does uh, fit in this how they will line up as a midfielder for sure. Um, so first thoughts were: Has Calvin Phillips played fucking? Soccer this season. <laughs> Has Calvin Phillips played soccer in 2022? Dude, I I was surprised to see him, but this was classic. He's been Southgate's guy in the past, and if he's healthy, he's going to be Southgate's guy moving forward. The real big question is, there's no way that they can't start Jude Bellingham, right? If England, so I have two, and we'll talk about this next episode for the broader World Cup topic, but I have two guys as my kind of on my short track for young player of the tournament, and Jude Bellingham is one of them, if he starts. Yeah. And the fact that, like, he may not start, and he is, I would, I would strongly argue, even though he is a child, he is the best Midfielder out of this group. 
I think 100%. In his, this season, he has been a mutant. On fire. Like an absolute beast. So, I hope that Southgate is an idiot and goes Calvin Phillips, Rice, Mason Mount. That would be awesome. God willing, God willing. If Jude Bellingham, he's like, sorry Jude, that would be so good. Because Jude Bellingham can literally do everything. Or here's kind of what I'm hoping. Maybe, Maybe Bellingham gets that start in the opening game against Iran. And maybe like he has a misstep, right? He has butterflies, doesn't have to cost him anything, but just enough to plant a seed of doubt in Southgate that he goes in the next game um, and like sits him. That would be great for us. Right. Yes. Obviously like it'd be, I want Bellingham to, I want to see Bellingham play at this tournament because it's he's that good, us. but I don't want to see him play against us. Cause he's that good. Yeah. He is really, really good. Um, Connor Gallagher, I do not think is that good. No. He's had, like, a few moments that he's looked good for Chelsea, but he also hasn't, like... He, he, yeah. He's not been playing that much. Like, I, it's... That's wild, but I also, like... I I don't see him getting too much PT. Yeah. Maybe as, like, a sub to change things up if they need to change things up, you know, in the 80th minute. But I feel like he's gonna go Rice, Phillips, Mountain. That's the midfield he likes. That's the ability he likes, but, I mean, he's not – he can't be that much of an idiot. He's probably going to go Rice, Bellingham, Mount. Yeah. Rice and, Re- Rice and Bellingham slash Phillips, if he's an idiot, in the double pivot, and then Mount as the center part of the three in front of the double pivot just behind the striker. Yeah. Now, if he was a Galaxy Brain Smart, he would go um... – Trent Alexander-Arnold Bellingham as the pivots. <laughs> and honestly, I would probably go James Madison above that. Yeah, yeah. If you really want to be galaxy brain for England, that's what I would do. Forwards. Hit, hit us with them. Phil Foden. The, the, the dead body of Jack Grealish. <laughs> Ari Kane. Buyaka Saka. Raheem Sterling. Callum Wilson. Marcus Rashford. <laughs> There's a lot of talent in that group, and, and and Jack Relish. <laughs> uh, Harry Kane's gonna start. Yes. And I bet the other two spots will be two of the three of Foden, Sterling, Saka. My guess is to start it out, it's gonna be obviously Kane, as you said. I think it's gonna be uh, Foden and Sterling. Yes. Would be my guess, yep. but my, my my guess would be Saka is the first one. Like, if one of them's not cutting it, Saka's the first one to to kind of yep. take their spot. And then we, I mean, and then we know. I'm sure if there's ever a end of game penalty kick situation, Rashford and Saka will be subbed in cold as as rocks because um, that's what Southgate likes to do. Yeah. Um... Look, as every England team I have ever watched in my life, on paper, they're one of the player-for-player best teams. Um, This one a little bit less than in years past, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But still a a good team, the best team in the group. A, A team expected to make a deep run like they did in the other two. But a team that also, like... It's England at an international tournament. Weird, 
Like, un- like I know they've done well the last two, but you can't get rid of all the other ones I've seen uh, but where before, weird shit bef- has happened. Before those last two, it was either fail to get out of the group or flame out in the not in the in the round of sixteen to an old war rifle, <laughs> often in penalties. Yeah. Um, so. And, and it's it's hard to keep sustained success in international in these major international tournaments, right? The 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 well will run dry eventually, and I mean, what better time than a Christian Pulisic fucking goal where he has his undershirt underneath where it says it's called soccer? I would like it. I'd like it. This is this, so. This is the team obviously expected to top the group. Yeah. Um It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be a hard one. It, it, it's be a hard it, one. Yeah. Can we could we get a result out of it? Absolutely. I believe we could. Could we also get shit pumped 4-1? Yeah, I could kind of see that too. Again, with this group, like there are other groups where results would truly flabbergast me. But because of the overall makeup of this group, because of who some of these managers are, Southgate and um, Greg Berhalter, I could. I, it's just there's so much. I so could many see variables. anything. Yeah, and actually avoiding the ship pump could be critical when goal differential comes into play for like a second place finish. If we are, you know, most likely, and it's going to be close between us, Wales, Iran, and also like it could still be close with England. You just never know. Yeah, I, I think we'll honestly we'll know if England like comes out of the gate, beats Iran 2-0, 3-0, then it's like, oh okay, England is gonna make another run in this turn. Like I kind of feel like I'm gonna know everything about England just from the first game. If they struggle, for me, for me, for me, I was thinking it'd be actually our game, that second game, right? If if they if they just put us to bed without like hesitation or or issue. That's when I'm like, oh, fuck, they're going to run again, and I'm going to have to, you know, die, be all pissy again. Um, <laughs> should we uh, Should we jump into Iran? Uh, yes. Obviously, you know, not like throwing shade at, at Iran, but these are going to be the names and the players that we know the least amount, but I, I want to give them their due, and I also want to make sure we carve out a minute to talk about Mehdi Tarami, Tarami as, as you had kind of alluded to earlier. Yes, and I'd also like to start with our coach, a very experienced coach, and a former Manu number two to Sir Alex Ferguson, Carlos Puros. Very good coach. Yes, and he's inter- he's got international experience. He's managed a World Cup at least one, I think multiple. Yeah. So, uh, Iran goalkeepers. Do you want to say the names, or do you want me to? Do you mind saying the names, buddy? <laughs> I, got I was you. pretty happy. I was pretty happy with Mehdi Tarami. Uh. <laughs> uh, you have in goal uh, Ali Razab, Bernvand. You have Amir. They took four goalies, by the way. Amir. Yeah. Uh, they Abedzadeh. took 25 players, didn't they? Like, they yeah. took one less player and one extra goal. Yeah, we'll talk about that. You have Payam Yazmad, and you have the best name in the World Cup in <laughs> Jose Dosaini. His name, it's literally like I said, my name, it would be like my full name was Don Donnie. <laughs> That's awesome. That that actually, I would put that as a tied top of like best names uh, in in the sport because my favorite name is an Italian manager who managed in Serie A, whose name is Vincenzo Italiano, which is like <laughs> that's like, so Italian. <laughs> that would be like if my name was Eric America. <laughs> so in um, 
Defenders, you have Mashed Hosseini. I don't know if he's related to Hossein Hosseini. No <laughs> clue there. I don't think so. It's a common Iranian last I name. didn't. I did. I saw a graphic of like of brothers playing in the tournament, and I did not see them. So, so okay, confirmed. Hosseini's not brothers, at least. Uh, we have Mohammed Hossein Kanane Zedad Holy shit, that was even a long one for me. You have Shoja Khalizadeh. You have Morteza Porlajanji. You have Sader Morami. Ramin Razian, Milad Mohammadi, and Abfol Vazl Jalali. <laughs> okay, that one, I probably <laughs> fucked that one up. Gotta go back to the old parents on that one. I literally have no idea who any of those guys are. I don't know any of these. Any I, these I know them, some I... of the midfielders, I know some of the forwards. Yes. I know none of those guys. Um, in midfield, you have Sayed Estolali, uh, Esan Hajasafi. Ruzbe Shezmi, Ahmad Nurali, Ali Karimi, I know him actually. Uh, Simon Godoz, I know him because he plays for Brentford. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vahid Amiri. So Simon Godoz is actually a solid player. And then here's really where their, some of their talent is. They have Ali Reza Jahanbash, who now plays for uh, Feyenoord in the Eredivisie, but he also used to play for Brighton. You have... Uh, Ali Golizadeh. Also, Golizadeh is a great last name for <laughs> yes, soccer yeah. as a forward. Uh, obviously, Mehdi Taremi, their best player. Um, one of Porto's best players, actually, lighting up I the mean, Champions this, League. Th- this guy was lighting up, yeah, as you said, lighting up the Champions League. I think, I mean, it's hard to put a, a striker more in form than Harry Kane, uh, right? But, like, this guy's not far behind him. Now, you have a guy whose name is so fucking close to his in Mehdi Torabi. <laughs> you also have uh, Karim Ansarifard and Sadar Azmoun for Bayer Leverkusen. So, kind of a couple of bigger names in the midfield. You have IEK Athens, you have Brentford, you have yeah. Porto. Obviously, their defense and their goalies, and I don't fucking know any of those guys. But this is a team that is very gritty. Defense as a unit, very tough to break down, experienced coach, and man, a tough to break down team with an informed striker is a scary combo. They're going to sit in a low block, and they're going to sit in that low block well, as you said. Like to, They're going to defend together as a unit, and they have the players, they have players that have the offensive talent to spring, like to hit a good release ball to a really, really informed Champions League caliber striker. It's interesting because there's a lot of social unrest right now in Iran over uh, the killing of a woman by the morality police and then the cover-up of that killing, which was like the worst cover-up in human history. And now thousands have been beaten and kidnapped, and it's a really tough situation. But actually, a lot of these players, to their credit, have bravely spoken out against the actions of the Iranian government. And so I think they're, this is a great example of a team being here representing their people and not their government. Because yeah. a lot well, of these it, guys have been very vocal on social media. Um, a lot of them, like, covered up the arrangement. That was saying, in, in their most recent game they played, you know, the last, I guess, international break, they, they, they covered up their, their emblem and the flag during the, when the national anthem was played and they weren't singing along. Which, like, you know, that, that's a symbolic stance, but... That's that's not an easy symbolic stance to take, um, and and not only like I think you make a great point of like these are guys that these are these, you know they're representing their people and not 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 necessarily the regime, but also 
this is a group that has a united like cause to play for and that makes them even more like not not even thinking about like the the greater kind of like human aspect of it but just from the, like the soccer of it all they've got something unifying bigger than them that they are playing for and that makes them even harder and especially when it's when it's in a group that's going to play that defensive low block encounter like that's a perfect marriage right there Here's a not-so-fun fact about Iran. They've only ever won two World Cup games, and one was in 1998 against the United States. I think it was the final group stage game, and it eliminated us from the yep. World Cup. I watched that with my mother when I was five years old. Just a, just a wee lad. Um, this, is, this is probably the team, obviously, just, just overall has the least talent. They have a couple, like we said, we have a few names that you know, but this will be a team that's going to be hard for anyone to break down, but I do expect um, that Iran is definitely not going to go through. Doesn't mean they're not going to cause a problem for someone, one of these other three teams, but, you know, I just think that unity and playing the low block, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, that that can all only get you so far. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's Iran. So... I think we could just fit, round this up with our thoughts on the group. I think our thoughts Who's, on the group and kind of our predictions for this group. Because the, the, so, much, so, as in thoughts we, on the group. We will who, not who, spend who, any more, nowhere near this time on any other group. But obviously, you know, there could there were easier groups and there were harder groups. And I think that if the United States does not advance from this group, it has to be looked at as a disappointment and a colossal failure. I 100% agree. Um also agree to take there are easier groups to be in there are harder groups to be in this group has the most like geopolitical intrigue <laughs> yes right and, and I, we didn't really mention that uh i think we talked about it way when the groups were, were announced way back when but like obviously england and wales there was like 800 years of english oppression of the welsh uh so that's that's a that's a note uh england and the united states i don't think we have to go down the history there, but, you know, Boston Tea Party, Revolutionary War, all that, all that fun stuff. United States and Iran have a connected history, and it's not, not filled with pleasant, pleasantries. Iran and England have tensions, as England have been one of the most stalwart against the Iranian regime on the European side, right? They've kind of been leading the charge across the Atlantic that the United States have been running. Yeah, really only two matchups won't have the geopolitical um, <laughs> pressure, and it's going to be England, uh, and I'm sorry, it's going to be uh, Wales, USA, and Wales, uh, Iran. The common theme there being Wales. <laughs> Wales, yeah. <laughs> and the other common theme is that England has, has history present or past with everybody yeah what a shocker that everybody fucking hates england it's why every every country is an old war enemy uh i'll go ahead with my predictions i think england will win the group and i think the united states will uh come through second off of goal differential as a as the tiebreaker of second and third i think england will win the group I have been going back and forth on this all day because there's my heart and there's my mind and my heart tells me that the USA is going to come through 
Are you going to go with your mind and pull an Alexi Lawless? But my brain is so scared of Dragon Ball Walter. I completely agree with you that the USA will go through, but it will be on goal difference. And I will be clenched for the next, from, from, from now until the last group stage, I will not move. <laughs> it is what we call squeaky bum time. Yeah, it is going to be tight, tight, tight. But, you know what? I spend so much of my life in sports being negative. So, I am just going to trust the talent, the most talented pool that I've ever seen from a U.S. team. I'm going to trust that Greg knows what he's doing and everything and all the shenanigans of World Cup qualifying were like a meta play to prepare for the World Cup. Like meta, like remember when Herb Brooks plays the Russians right before yeah. the Olympics? Like that was meta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to just hope that something like that's happening. Yeah, what is there to say, man? It's just, it's like, it's like I just want that first game to fucking kick off on Monday and rip off the band-aid. Yeah, I, I am, I am struggling, um, keeping focus from now until, until Monday. Which is unfortunate um, because I have a lot of shit to do. <laughs> Well, hey, we're going to drop this, and then we're going to record uh, not too long after, well before the World Cup starts, uh, part two, where we go through the other groups. Um, we The only time we might talk about somebody in this group is if we make kind of ideas or predictions about the knockout round. Uh, but we're not going to go in-depth on this group during our other group uh, deep dive. Yeah, considering this group got like an hour and a half plus episode. And like, if you weren't hoping for that, then... Why would you be listening to, the, to this podcast in the first place? As always, you can email us, ungoalpod at gmail.com. should probably check that before we record the next episode. Um, you can follow us on socials at ungoalpod. Thanks for listening. Go USA. Bye. It's in, it's an It's a gift. It's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Got no tip to it.